This episode is brought to you by Trunkline. Trunkline is the Angie's List with an oil-filled twist. Join Trunkline today. Impact Exploration Services made this possible for PBE Podcast. Get your mud logging, geo-steering, and lab results that will make a positive impact on your bottom line. Bell Geospace supported PBE, made it possible to do our first show from Wichita Falls. And if you need gravity data that can see the deep-seated faults around your AOI, you need to call Bell Geospace today. Icon Science, the subsurface geoscience software that needs no introduction. Petrophysics Geophysics, tied to the rock data for you to visualize the best parts of your reservoir. And last but certainly not least, TGS. TGS is one of the largest data providing companies in the world, especially in the oil and gas world. Stay tuned with the development of their Well Data Analytics web-based platform. I personally use this platform to help me find projects and talk with investors about what we are looking at. Listen out for those shows with Asal and Andrew Stearns. Andrew Stearns talks about the DST database they have. Absolutely lights out. Check out this show we did at the Southwest Section AAPG in Wichita Falls with Dr. Jonathan Price, the chair of the geology department at Midwestern State University. Three, two, two one, let's go. go! I'm the host of the PBE podcast, Troy Tittlemeyer, sitting down. Uh, this gentleman here, I'm going to have him introduce himself here in a minute, but we are at the Southwest Section of the AAPG, the American Association of Petroleum Geologists, the 100-year anniversary for the North Texas Geological Society. What were you doing 100 years ago, sir? Um, wasn't here yet. <laughs> All right, I was just uh, checking. Uh, yeah, 1923, man, that's a, a incredible to think about. 1923, a society opened up for geologists to get together in Wichita Falls and say, what is going on here? What do we know? What do we think we know? What new technology can we develop? What, how can we make our jo jobs easier? How could, you know, what is going on? And, and 100 year la years later, we're still at it. Got the Southwest section in today. Uh, the talks have been good, the technical talks. Have you caught, uh, caught any of those yet? A few. Nice. Opening ceremonies were good. The history of uh, the NTGS, mm -hmm. right? Uh, please, sir, introduce yourself. Give me a little elevator pitch of uh, what you do, who you are. All right. Well, I'm Jonathan Price. I'm the current chair of the Kimball School of Geosciences at Midwestern State University here in Wichita Falls. No kidding. You're the chair. I'm the chair for what is worth. Man, how long have you been doing that? Um, longer than I care to count. Maybe <laughs> oh, eight <no>. years. <laughs> eight years? Eight years, something like that. Man, are you are you a geoscientist? I am. Okay, okay. Sometimes, you know, they put an engineer in charge of the chair sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Right. Not in this case. Not in, not, this, not in this case. And you said the, the geoscience uh, department is named what? The Kimball School of Geosciences. Kimball. Who is that a person? It, that is a family. A family. Okay. That is the a Kimballs. family in the region. They're, they uh, benefacted our department about eight years ago uh, to our success. So, um, and they've provided uh, an endowment for, for our students and, and for growing our department. So we've really uh, grown as a fun function of having the Kimball support. Wow. That, that was huge, huh? Yep. Wow. How many students go to Midwestern? Uh, it's about 5,500. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a pretty good size school. You mm -hmm. got a football team? They do. Nice. Yep. Basketball team? Yes. No kidding. Men's baseball? Uh, uh, no baseball. No baseball. No rugby. Baseball. rugby. Rugby. No rugby. Okay. That I know of. There might be an intramural Hockey. team. Hockey. Hockey team. Not, well, again, there might be an intramural team, but not, not any... Uh, not like Division yeah, three division. or yeah. whatever it is. Okay. You ever go to the football games? Yeah. Yeah. They're a good time, good. huh? Yeah. Got a good quarterback this year? 
That's a good question. I honestly <laughs> do not know. How about the head coach? He's been around for yeah, a while? Yeah, he's been around. Bill Maskell. He's, he's a great guy. Nice. Okay. And so what were you doing before eight years ago, before you became the chair of Midwestern? I was still working here, but I was not the chair. You were still working at the university, though? Yes, that ah, is correct. Okay. So you got a PhD in geology? That's correct. Where, all right, let's rock it way back. Where are you from? Originally? Yes. Way back? Yes. Day uh, one. Portland, Oregon. What? You were yeah. born on the coast. I was. They call you know some people refer to that as the best coast. The best coast. Instead the wet of the, coast. Instead of the west coast or the wet coast. The wet they coast. say the best coast. Yeah. I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> I I was born in Ventura. Okay. Yeah. So well, very we, good. Right. Pacific, Not as wet down there. <laughs> right. Right. A little more sunny. Yeah. A lot of oil. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, wow. How long were you important? Uh, I spent the first 18 years of my life there. No kidding. And your mom and dad, what'd they do? Uh, dad worked for the power company and mom was largely stay at home. Wow. Nice. Brothers, sisters, one sister, one sister growing up, just yep. attacking life. Yep. Right on. And so when you get out of high school at 18, you get a scholarship to go somewhere to get a geology degree. Uh, I did. Uh, Baylor university. You went to Baylor, went straight to Baylor Yep. for geology. Correct. Golly. So have you always just had this affinity to the rocks? Um, so fact about Portland, Oregon and May 18th, 1980, we had a clear view of Mount St. Helens. Going oh off. my God. So it was very inspiring to me. I was in sixth grade. You watched that big decompression release. I did. Holy smokes. And that was the weird part about it because any other day in May, it was cloudy, but it was clear Crystal as a bell that clear Sunday. That day. Yeah. You watched it happen. Uh-huh. Wow, man. It was cool. Wow. Could you hear it? No, you couldn't hear it. Couldn't hear it, but you could no. see it. Yeah, you could see it. Holy cow, man. You're six uh sixth grade. You were like twelve years old. Yep. <laughs> that's what's that's what uh took you off into geology, huh? You want to be a volcanologist after that? Uh pretty much. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. So you get into Baylor, you get your undergrad. Right? You, That's correct. You go through school, you're top of the class. No, I'm not top of the class. But you <laughs> <laughs> you had a good time, I, you had good grades. I, I, I did all right. right had great on. friends there. Right on, right on. And then what happens after undergrad? Uh, master's at Baylor. Oh, you went Baylor, Baylor. Yep. Nice. And then Baylor, Baylor, Baylor? No, uh -huh. OU for my PhD. OU, Oklahoma University. That's right. Interesting. Interesting. So when you're getting through undergraduate, you really all you got really at the end of the day is kind of a baseline, a fundamental understanding of the differences in the rock cycles. And, you know, kind of unknown to me was still that the oil and gas industry, the mining industry, the environmental, these options we had as geoscientists to actually make a career, mm -hmm. actually make a living doing this. That was kind of really at the end of my undergrad. Luckily, I had oil and gas, you know, that was my target going in. So I'd always write my papers or do research on oil and gas. And even though my professors were largely not, but it was still I still had that concept at, at the end of the undergrad. What were you thinking? You just you wanted to do academia. You wanted to do industry. What did you want? Um, well, I, I was fortunate that I did get to work on volcanoes. So nice. I had a professor who uh, took me under his wing and we did a research project in Central Oregon as part of my senior thesis. Central Oregon. Yep. Central Oregon. That's like Crater Lake. Where uh, is a little north of that. North so, of Crater Lake. Bachelor Butte. It's almost geographically in the center of the Cascades. Nice. Oh, the Cascades, yep. man. 
Right on. Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, attempts for mining in the Cascades, but nothing nothing super great. You know, some stuff is has made it economic, but a lot of a lot of busts up there in the Cascades. Yeah. Interesting. Not a lot of economic deposits throughout. Right. You got to go further south into the older rocks. Into the older rocks. You got to cross what they call the uh What's the slab tear up there called? It's it basically is the across the border of Oregon and, and California right before the big valley and um it's not the Nakazari. It's not the Garlock. What's the north of that? I can't think of the dang name, but there's a big old ocean floor suture that comes off the ocean floor right into the continent, cuts yep. cuts across Oregon. You go north of that, you're right. The the play's just not not commercial. There's stuff there. There's gold. There's different things, but it's just commercial stuff is south of that yep. that feature and interesting, man. That's cool. So you got to go do that uh, from Baylor. You got to kind of go back home, uh, back to your home state anyway. Yep. Uh, and then so you get your master's. Are you your volcanologist by the end of your master's? Uh, more more of a geochemist than a volcanologist. Really? When it's all said and done. So we're talking Hatherton and Dickinson, those kinds of studies. Where yeah, you know, whole rock geochemistry. Hell yeah! Putting together pieces of fractionating magma chambers. Oh man, nice, nice. Yeah, there's some really interesting papers on all that stuff that's that's happened over the years. I mean, plate tectonics was really figured out by Dickinson and he yep. his geochemical ability to see that the chemistry the alkalinities of these uh of the magmas that were at the crust above subduction zones hatherton was the geophysicist saying here's your angle of subduction the benioff zones at this depth here the volcanoes that were being made at the surface had very distinct chemistry mm -hmm. and so they're tying the geochemistry right. to the to the geophysics and they went around the circuit pacific eventually and now all western united states is loaded with just amazing data making these distinctions between and then the age dating came over right. the 70s and 80s and now they're age dating all these uh similar and and dissimilar alkalinities of these magmas very very cool very interesting right on okay so you get your master's now you go do your phd at ou that's right and you do your phd on volcanoes at ou I do my PhD on really old volcanoes and underlying plutons in southern Oklahoma, the Ooh. Wichita Mountains, north oh. of here by an hour. The Wichitas, right on. Okay, so that's kind of your backyard now, huh? Yep. You did your PhD on it, and you're doing the geochemistry across the Wichita, uh, Wichita Mountains? Yep, I have students working on it currently. So what is it, man? What, what, what kind of granites are these? What, what's going on here? So rift-related. Uh, you're going back into the Cambrian a little bit before the Cambrian to start off the process. And you're opening up a rift that basically is tearing up through uh, southern Oklahoma uh, and passed into Colorado, maybe as far as Utah. Now, these granites are crystallizing out at depth, right? 15 kilometers at depth. All not... shallow. You can think of them as almost subvolcanic. So one to four kilometers. Oh, wow. And then rhyolite cover is still preserved up there. And then a bunch of rhyolites. Yep. Huh. Any topaz rhyolites? No, nothing that florous, but they are pretty florin rich. They so, are? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, the halogens, it seems like there's a interesting story happening between halogen-rich uh, rhyolites and, and lithium. Yep. So any, any potential up in the Wichita Mountains for lithium? No, I don't think so. West Texas is probably a better choice for that. Really? Yeah. Okay. 
Man, that's cool. So specifically, what type of granites are we talking about? Are they metaluminous, paraluminous? They're uh, paraluminous nice. and alka weakly alkaline. Okay. So calcalcalic. Calcalcalic, paraluminous granites. I should say alkali calcics. Not oh, cal alkali calcics. One step up from that. So, but but paraluminous. Uh, but paraluminous. Paraluminous alkali calcics. No, sorry, metaluminous. Metaluminous and calcalcalic. Cal <laughs> uh, alkaline <laughs> yeah. calcic. So. All right. And, okay, metaluminous alkali calcic MAC. The MACs. And how old are they, you said? Pre-Cambrian? They are Cambrian. In oh, fact, Cambrian. we just did recent dating, and nice. they're a really short uh, time frame from 532 million years to 530 million years. That must have something to do with the Cambrian explosion, huh? I don't know. I don't know if they, they realize that uh, life was going nuts, but it does have to do with the opening of the Iapetus, which might have been an important feature for developing the Cambrian explosion. Interesting. Being that close to surface, all those reactions happening, all that fractionation, hard to believe that there wasn't some, some kind of influence on the biosphere from all this. Could be. You know, when you're making a bunch of metal luminous alkali calcic rock, I wonder what the vapors and the, the gases coming off of that system, I wonder what that mostly is. It's so. a good question. They're not particularly volatile rich, so, and the neat thing about the rhyolites is they're extensive lava flows, like hundreds of kilometers, wow. and they're not ash flows at all. They're just lavas. Wow. Can you imagine being around? I, can, I, I try to, but I cannot. It's, <laughs> it's just mind-blowing. Yeah, it is. Holy smokes, man. That's huge area. Wow. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Metaluminous alkali calcic magmas crystallizing out at one to four kilometers and it's rifting yep it's rifting cambrian cambrian rift and that's on like a north 70 west feature right the wichita's mm -hmm. are just yep. cutting right across like that and of course they you can find the same rocks in the subsurface so the wichita's are just a small expression of the total volume that's actually buried by largely permian rocks Huh, Permian uh, sediment rocks? Yep. Sedimentary rocks? Yep. What, so they've drilled into the basement on uh, on that stuff? And oh, it's, yeah. It's still metaluminous, alkali calcic, or these rhyolite lavas. No kidding. Yep. The hell? Have you seen any kind of ophiolites? No, there are no ophiolites in the system. Whoa. Son of a gun, man. Very bimodal. It's a lot of uh, large volume mafic plutons. Mafic? Yeah. So magnesium rich. Uh, iron and magnesium rich. Iron Mostly iron rich. Mostly iron rich. Yeah. Okay. So when when you see the correlations starting to happen, right? You have sequence stratigraphers in industry. You have oil and gas geologists that are putting together the the sedimentology story, and they're saying this must have eroded from somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. And you and you're a geochemist. You're like, yeah. okay, well, let's look at the elemental makeup of the rocks that are you're finding oil in, and let's see if they relate elementally to the mountains that you really know. Do you see a lot of relationships there? Do you see a lot of good chemistry that correlate between subsurface oil producing assets and the mountains that you know? Oh, I, I think one of the best revolutions or revolutions we've seen in the last decade or even going a little bit further beyond that 
is the use of detrital zircons in, in sedimentary rocks nice. to understand provenance and what mountains are up and what are the sources for your sediments. That's interesting. Yeah, zircons. And have you seen the uh, these zircons will have like uh, the the ins the inside of the zircon is is uh, is one thing, and then there's a rim around oh, yeah. it. Yeah. And then a, and then like another one. It's got like a yep. growth. Yep. Have you seen they're starting to age date the center and then they age date the rim and there's differences? Oh, it's, yeah. No, so that's, that's fantastic work. Zircon stuff is it's like age dating these major fractionation events through time. Right. And even multiple processes like igneous to metamorphic to sedimentary. It's it's wonderful stuff. Wow. Yeah. Right on. Right on. You do a lot of zircon work. Myself, not not too much. The age dating we did in the Wichita's was done at Boise State. And oh, nice. We sent off the rocks to them, and they separated the zircons. The Broncos, huh? Yep. Nice. That okay. blue football field. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You ever been there? I have been there once, but it was a long time ago. Before did... they were the big football power there. Ah, uh, before they did the blue turf. Yeah. Man, that's cool. That's that's some interesting stuff. Now, talk to me about the department. What are you guys doing to make sure that the students realize that there is a really long-term, very serious career for young professionals to help with this energy demand and this ideas of sustainability and the transition and everything that's happening in industry with energy, everything as a geoscientist, what is the, how does the school harness the reality of that and deliver that information to the students and keep the, the staff happy, keep student, the chairs full with students? You know, what do you, what do, you do for that? Well, a number of things. I'd say that the strength of both our undergraduate program and our master's program is hands-on data acquisition, hands-on interpretation. Students work directly with professors. They get involved fairly early on. They have lots of opportunities for research. They have lots of opportunities here in Wichita Falls to be involved in the local geologic community. The NTGS has always been welcoming of students and they're a big part of the, the meetings. Uh, they can certainly certainly join in at any point. And we try to make them aware that there are professional opportunities they can engage in, but also uh, they can see what each of the aspects of geological science are about while they're at our institution. Hmm. Right on. So you guys do a lot of uh, helping the students get out there and, and kind of break that uncomfortableness of kind of, I don't want to sound dumb. You know, the students kind of have the same approach like i don't you know i, I want to be out there to shake hands but i don't want to be you know that kind of red-shirted freshman in the crowd so you guys try to really help with that let them get comfortable be i hope so i i hope we're doing a good job of that we have six students presenting posters at this meeting nice so and right three, three are over there right now nice they're talking to everyone yeah and doing a small swell job of it nice so yeah look at them young just full of energy Talking about rocks. Yep. Can't beat it, man. Can't beat it. That is cool. Well, I always like to bring up uh, one fact about everything we do, and it's staying positive, right? All right. Got to stay positive with everything going on. I'm going to just tell me to stop. See how this, uh, see how it strikes you. Tell me to stop. Stop. Oh, yeah. Okay. You almost got me at the end there. Uh, yep. All right. Here we go. A great, let me see, a great way to make an impact, impact, like yeah. impact crater, yes. like Crater Lake. Something going on here. I, you saw how random that was. I didn't. <laughs> a great way to make an impact as a leader, which is what you are, is to remind people of the power that exists inside them to create the world outside of them. That's pretty good, huh? Mm -hmm. 
You remember being told that when you were a master's student? Maybe not in those exact words. But it was there, huh? It was there. I had some really encouraging friends and professors, so. Makes it, a difference, man. It does make a difference to have somebody in your corner so oh, you man. can do this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Not just in your head you can do this, but the people around you, yeah. your soundboard, you know, your soundboard has got to be full of energy. All right. And another one for a leader. A leader is a dealer of hope. But if you don't have it, you can't share it. It starts with you. What gives you hope? What do you hope for? Send it there. All right. What do you hope for? Well, I've been privileged to work for this university and had a role in playing and building this department. What I've hoped is we've built a department that really resonates with students, that's student-oriented. Right and I'm hoping that we can continue to grow that, that we're just starting out, that it's going to be much bigger as we go down the road. Man, right on. Well, sir, good luck to everything. Thank you. Wish you the best. I uh, look forward to meeting some of your students. All right. And uh, talk to them about metaluminous, alkali, calcic rocks, <laughs> and maybe a little oil and gas. Uh, thank you so much for sharing time with us. All right. I appreciate it, Troy. Thank you. Thank you.